All right, hello. Welcome to your church. Uh, <laughs> let me introduce myself. I'm Brian Ingraham. I'm your pastor. I, I may have been away quite a bit this last summer. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed the variety of voices over the last couple weeks. Um, thankful for Ben. Ben preaching a couple weeks ago. Thank you, Ben. Thank you for bringing it. Appreciate that. Um, I, and I half appreciate. I half appreciate Weston Thief of Crooks. Um, who, who was in town last week, so uh, thankful for that. Every four years, I'm required to be at this once every four-year missionary co- conference. It wasn't all that super fun this year, but, you know, every four years, I got some friends in that organization that I was able to connect with, and so um, Kelly and I were away and, and doing that for the last week or so. But anyways, I'm back, and I'm ready to launch into this, this, this next season. I hope you are, too, because there's some exciting stuff going on, and we're going into a very special uh, season as a church. So my plan for today is this. We're going to introduce today our next series, our next series that's going to take us for a, for a while. Um, it's actually going to start not next week. Next week is Vision Sunday. Vision Sunday. We're, next week is Vision Sunday. Uh, the week after that is when we're going to really launch into this series. So today I'm just going to and introduce it and, and talk about what we're going to be talking about over this next season. For our series, we're going to be talking about some unlikely leaders, three unlikely leaders who live in time uh, or a big season of transition, uh, transition and change. Uh, when I was thinking about this series, personally, I consider myself, like these three people, a rather unlikely leader. Especially when I think about the home that I grew up in and uh, maybe as through the eyes of an adult um, I, As a kid, I loved the home I grew up in I had a great time and and had lots of fun except for fifth and sixth grade when I, I had no friends and uh, That's a sad story, Brian. I know but anyways, but basically Basically, I had I, I really enjoyed my childhood as I lived through it and and, and going through teenage years I, I had I had a great in my, from my perspective, a great um, upbringing. But now, looking back through the years, which sound, makes me sound even older, uh, but maybe looking back through the eyes of, of understanding a little bit more as an adult what was going on when I was growing up, maybe even understanding, looking through the eyes of, of God a little bit as I can, as best I can, uh, a God who knows a lot more. After seeing the total breakdown in my, my family of origin and hearing about the long um, extended reasons for that collapse and for that breakdown, I, I, I start to kind of shake my head and wonder, I, I wonder, like, how, why, why did God look at my family and think, oh, I'm going to pick this kid. I'm going to pick this person to, to, to become a leader in some way in my, my kingdom, especially when I, the more I've been able to get to, to find out about, get to find out, I mean, it hasn't been a enjoyable experience, but just all the kinds of evil and, and, and ungodly things that were going on with my parents, and yeah, I guess just the more I, the more I learn, the more I discover, the more I'm, I'm shocked that God would look at my family and pick someone out of it. You're like, this would be a great Family to bring someone into to leadership in my, my kingdom or my church, and I, and I think that many of you can do the same. You can look at your you can look at your upbringings, you can look at your home environments, you can look at your past experiences or things that you've lived through or 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 whatever, and 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 kind of look at your situation and think, why would God pick someone like me? 
to have any kind of impact for, uh, for him, for, for his church, in his church or, 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 or in this city or nation, leading, leading in one way or another someone further from God, closer to God. The, tr- the truth is, and, and I think the, the wonderful uh, reality, the wonderful truth is that God picks people from every background, from every baggage, every sexuality, every brokenness, every nationality, every faith background, people who grew up hating God. He chooses those people. He picks murderers. He picks rapists. He pe- picks people who like the Kardashians and Love Island. He picks people... Of the lowest of the lows. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Praise God. Every situation, and he calls them by name. And he calls them by name. He rises them up to be significant, to, to make a difference, to make a difference of good for, for him. It's, it's really incredible. So, so today, we're, starting in, in two weeks, we're going to be looking at three Unlikely leaders, three very different types of people from three different contexts, three different generations who are facing uncomfortable times, and and that's an understatement to call their times uncomfortable, but uncomfortable times, but whom God chooses to use in his his grace, in his his goodness, uh, to be significant and and to, to make a difference. And to help their generation go from where they were into God's next season. Pretty special people. All three of these stories are, are from one of my favorite books in the Bible. Uh, from the book of 1 Samuel. From the book of 1 Samuel. And the three stories that we're going to be looking at in this series. The first one is this woman named Hannah. And we're going to start by looking at Hannah for a few weeks. A, a, a woman who is just in heart, anguish, grief, and disappointment. That is where this whole story begins. This whole uh, multi-generation transition season begins. With grief, heartache, uh, uh, an unanswered prayer request going on for years and years. A, a woman who is completely stuck in her life situation. She, there is nothing that she can do about it. She is being tormented by this, this other woman, and she is just being harassed and, 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 be, uh, and emotionally beat down, taunted day after day, year after year. She is distraught. She is stuck. She is helpless. She is, she is in serious emotional pain, and there's nothing that she can do to get out of it herself. And we're going to look how this woman in that context through year after year after year doing the only thing she can and call out to God in desperate prayer for a prayer re- request for herself. It's, it's a self-prayer request, even. A prayer re- and that unanswered prayer request, going to, as she persists in that unanswered prayer request, how that woman goes from that anguish to making the Bible. And not just making the Bible, not just a mention, but like a chapter and a half. She gets a chapter and a half about her story. You can't say, oh, she just, she just makes the Bible because she's Samuel's mom. And, and, and so she, she had to have some, some, some written space. No, a chapter and a half are given to her story because of her contribution in prayer, because of her contribution in faith, in perseverance, and how it has a multi-generational impact. Prayers prayed in heartbreak. In tears and grief and disappointments, we talk about this lots. 
anguish. Even prayers prayed for yourself can impact the world, the city, the nation, the area. Now, each one of these three people we're going to look at has, has a powerful message for us, and Hannah's is about trust. It's about trust that, that it's not by might. It's not by might. I mean, who is Hannah? She is not a mighty woman in any stretch, in her life situation. She's mighty only through an answered prayer. And we learn that it's not by might, but by the activity of God that we can make an impact. We learn about God's work, both guarding and intervening. In 1 Samuel 2, we read, this is, this is from Hannah's prayer. And she, she has this poetic prayer, and she, she says this in her prayer. She says, He, God, He guards the steps. He guards the steps of His faithful ones. But the wicked perish in darkness for a man, or a person speaking of herself even, a person does not prevail by his own strength. That, that's right at the heart of her, her life message. We don't prevail by our own strength. And later in the Bible, and, and one of the first verses that, that God gave to, to our church and to me about this church before it began is that this church isn't going to be about our might or our power. Not by might nor by power, but by God's Spirit. Is anything significant going to happen around here? That was given to us well over a decade ago, 15 years ago. But anyways, so Hannah understands and is going to teach us that anyone in, in any situation, no matter how hopeless, with any challenges, can have a mighty impact, not, not because of who they are or what they can do, but in partnership with the God who can do anything with nothing. So there's hope for anyone in any sex situation. You may feel like a nobody in a big city, but God can use you to make an incredible difference. So we're going to talk about Hannah. And then we're also in this series, then after we're talking about Hannah, we're going to talk about Samuel, another unlikely leader. I mean, who is this guy by birth? He's the son of this couple who give him away when he's really, really young, and he gets adopted into this family that is so dysfunctional that God kills the kids, kills the, the sons. They're, they're grown up a little bit, but he kills the sons, and, and the dad who adopted Eli, they, they die all on the same day. While Samuel is still growing up. So he, he, he lives through, you know, he knows, knows his family of origin, but then, then he's given away, and then he's grown up in this hugely dysfunctional family where God is so upset at it. So he has, that's his upbringing, and, and yet God calls him out of that upbringing, out of the most dysfunctional of families in God's eyes, so much so that he acts and intervenes to be one of his most faithful leaders in the Bible. And one of the key messages is of Samuel's, all his life is connected to rebellion. Now, he saw this in his own family. And he saw his family put to death over the issue of rebellion. And so all his life he preached about rebellion. In fact, when he's old, he says these words in 1 Samuel chapter 12. He says, If you fear the Lord, worship and obey Him. Worship and obey Him. And if you don't rebel against the Lord's command... Then both you and the king who rules over you will follow the Lord your God. But that idea of worshiping and obeying God, and if you don't rebel against God, it'll go well for you. That's right at his heart message. And there's so many great messages that we're going to learn looking at Samuel. That's the second person we're going to look at. The third person in our study we're going to look at is King Saul. And uh, King Saul is a guy who had zero desire to be king. 
He, he, he did not want to, to, even when he was anointed to be king, he didn't really want the job. It seems like he's hiding when they're ready to appoint him, anoint him again in front of the people. Uh, personally, I love the story of Saul. I'm so fascinated by it. The way, uh, okay, obviously he's not the best example to follow. We read the book, we understand that he's not the best example to follow, but his life is recorded according to 1 Corinthians 10, 11 as a warning for us, as a warning for us so that we can learn from his mistakes. And what I want to say about Saul is I think there's a lot of ways I find Saul impressive in following God. A lot of ways that I feel challenged by Saul in the way that he follows God. Like like 90% of the time he follows God pretty decently. What I'm saying is there's a lot worse examples of people following God than, than Saul. He's actually one of a pretty decent one. He never turns away from God. He never turns away from God. Through all the rebukes, through all his missteps, through, through all the, even the demonic torment that he lives through from God, he doesn't turn away from God. Uh, in fact, the day before he dies, yes, he goes to see a witch, which was a mistake. However, the reason he goes is because he's like, I can't hear from God. I, he's not speaking to me by dreams or the, the urimathurmium, which is the priest, what the priests use, uh, like the, the prophets. I, I can't hear from God. Like, I'm trying to hear from God. Like, all of his life, through all of his failures, he, he doesn't turn away from God. Uh, all his life, he's trying. He's got some crashes, but there's so much that we can learn from him as well about being an unlikely person trying to follow God. I feel challenged. A key message from Saul's life is found in 1 Samuel 15, verse 22, which says, Look, to obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. And we're going to see that over and over again lived out in in, uh, Saul's life. To obey is better than sacrifice. To pay attention is better than the fat of rams. Sadly, I see a lot of myself in Saul and in our generation. I see a lot of of ourselves in Saul because it's very unnatural to follow God as completely and as wholeheartedly and as 100%edly as God calls us to. It's challenging. So all three of these people, unlikely leaders uh, in one of the biggest seasons of transition for God's people in the Old Testament. When I think of the three big transitions in the Old Testament, I think of Moses and the Exodus. Again, when you're thinking through your chronology of the Old Testament, 2000, Abraham, he's really old at that point, but he's still alive. 1500, you've got Moses. Uh, Moses is pretty young at 1500. He's 30. He's not yet left Egypt yet, and let alone done the, the things. The Exodus is about 1446, but who's counting? But 1450, 1446. So you've got this Moses bit, and then you've got this other season. So, and so then that, that transition season lasts about 60 years from the Exodus through the wandering, through the going into the land, and the settling of the land. About a 60-year period of transition. Multi-generational, multi-leaders transition there. And then you've got this next season of transition, which is the era from judges into kings, into the era of the kings, and specifically the the kingly line of of David. And that lasts 100 years. That lasts about 100 years. 
from Judges to Kings. And then there's a season of exile, which lasts about 150 years. But if, you're, if you put it from when, when Nebuchadnezzar comes to, to bring the people out of the land till maybe when Nehemiah returns, maybe 160 years, that whole era uh, of, of time there. Those three major transition seasons for the nation. And then putting this in context, just time-wise, you're talking 1110 B.C., we're, the study that we're going to look at is from 1110 B.C. to 1010 B.C., 100 years. 1010 B.C. is when David becomes king. It's when Saul dies. Oops, I gave it away. He dies. Yeah, so 1010 uh, B.C., um, 1110, so that 100 years. Actually, you've got the Moses and the Exodus generation. Moses dies basically, probably exactly 300 years. 300 years later, you have uh, a Hannah praying to God for, for a baby. That's a 300-year uh, group of time. And during that, between that, is this period of the judges. Now, I just want to say something quickly about the period of judges because Samuel is part of the kingdom, uh, the, the period of the judges. Samuel is a judge. Hannah is living in that time. Um, it, the period of the judges can be a little bit confusing to think about because it's natural to think as you're reading through the Bible, okay, you've got Moses, he's in charge. Then you've got Joshua, he's in charge. And then you've got these different judges and they're in charge, like Ehud and Gideon and Samson and... And, and Deborah, keep it gender, everybody. Uh, so uh, you've got all these, you've got all these like judges and, and they're in charge and then you get to Saul and David. But the period of the judges doesn't work like the Moses or the Saul, David era. It's actually an era with, with these uh, decentralized leadership. After Joshua, the, the nation gets really decentralized in this leadership by tribes. And every once in a while, they kind of pair up a little bit together, they gather together. But basically, it's a highly decentralized era where everybody's doing whatever they want to do, and, and the tribes are just uh, very loosely connected, only genetically connected. And so it's a big deal to move from these tribes. In fact, if you're reading through the judges, it almost sounds like, okay, good season, bad season, good, and then God sends a judge, and then bad, and then God sends another judge, and, the, and, and it feels like that. But you got to think of it a little bit more like a, like a, like a big, you got the big area of the land, and this part's kind of falling away, and then God sends a judge here. This part's falling away, and then God sends a judge in this part. And you've got different fallings aways and different judges rising up. And some of them are at the same time. It seems like Samson, uh, if I'm in the map and then I reverse it down here, 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 here. If, if Samson's down here, uh, and Samuel seems to be at the same time. You, you might not pick that up. Like Samson and Samuel judges at the same time in, in different parts. So you've got different parts, different judges. Uh, it can be pretty confused, but the thing is there's no centralized leader, and that's why it's such a big deal to go in this era from Samuel into this, this era of, of kings. So we move during this thing. So Moses dies. There's this 300-year period here. Hannah is praying. And I, and at this point, I need to make a really significant note about our study, or, or what we're not doing, actually. We are not studying the book of 1 Samuel. And, and that's really important to, to hold on to. We're not studying the first book. We are studying three significant people in the book of 1 Samuel, but we are not talking about the book of 1 Samuel and what it's about. Um, 
In, in 1 Samuel, you see David a lot. All of David's story, until the day he becomes king, all David's story before his kingship, you know, David and Goliath, all, that, all those fun stories, that's in 1 Samuel. We're not going to talk about David unless we have to connect it to Samuel or connect it to Saul. But we're skipping the, the, the David story at all. And, and, that, and that makes it... That, that makes us no, in no way really able to say we're talking about 1 Samuel. Because the book of 1 Samuel, it used to be one book, 1 and 2 Samuel. It used to be called Samuel, the book of Samuel. 1 and 2 Samuel, one book, one book. And the, the, the major story arc of the book of Samuel was going from, going from this era, how did we get to David? How did we get to David in the line of Jesus? How did we get to the, the, the King David with the, the promise of Jesus that we're waiting for this future king to be born, the, the, the King of Kings, Jesus? How did we get there? Well, we got there this way, and then all of this is about David's story. David is like the, the focal point. It, it'd be like saying we're going to teach the book of Matthew, but we're not going to talk about Jesus. That's, it, it, you can say some stuff, but we can't say we're talking about Samuel, the book of Samuel here, without by leaving David out. He's the main, he's the main person. Why did the book get divided? I know you're, you're like, Brian, please tell us, please tell us. Um, when they translate Hebrew, Hebrew, there's no value, no, no value. <laughs> Felt like that in Hebrew class. Uh, <laughs> except for if my Hebrew teacher's watching, that was great. Uh, there's no vowels. There's no vowels. And so when they translate into Greek, oh, you got all these vowels, stretched it out, scroll size problem. So that they divided it because of scroll length by when they switched into when they put it into Greek So that's that's how we got first and second um, Samuel, but but it was intended to just be one book um, As far as the the book of Samuel goes who wrote it We don't know uh, for certain who wrote it Samuel definitely didn't write the whole book because he dies at least 40 years before it was before the end of the book That would have been amazing uh, Had he done that he definitely didn't write the whole thing Many people say that it's a combination of three authors, Samuel writing the first 24 chapters until he dies, and then Nathan the prophet, and then Gad the seer. And the reason that they say that is they look at this, this verse in 2 Chronicles 29. And in 2 Chronicles 29, it says this. It says, as for the events of King David's reign, which is 1 and 2 Samuel, as far as from our, from our Bible's point of view, from beginning to end, note that they are written in the events of Samuel the seer, the events of Nathan the prophet, and the events of Gad the seer, along with all his reign, his might, and the incidences, incidents that affected him and Israel and all the kingdoms of the surrounding lands. So is that talking about the book of Samuel, which is, which is all we got? It could be. It could be talking about that, although it could be talking about lost books as well. But it could be referring to this that we have Samuel, First and Second Samuel. But that's the best we got as far as who wrote it. If that is true, then we're kind of reading, the section that we're studying is written by Samuel himself, mostly. The, the study that in, 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 our, in our study for this time. Why is it called the book of Samuel and not the book of David? Uh, maybe because Samuel was the first of the, the three authors. Um, maybe it's because Samuel is the explanation. It, maybe he's the, the how, the human how of how we got 
from where we were in this decentralized up and down, everyone doing what they saw fit and, and judges and, 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 and discipline of God to this era of kings and, and how we got on track towards Jesus in the line of David, king of king, kings on his way. Uh, and Samuel's kind of the how we got there because Samuel is part of not just anointing the heir of kings with Saul, but anointing David as king as well, um, which gets us all the way there. Okay. I want to go back to the why. Why are we going to look at these three people? Why are we going to look at these people? Because as I said earlier, these three are, are unlikely leaders who make a difference who make a difference in their three generations, three different generations. And these, these unlikely leaders, they, they, they scream these great lessons for how to make a difference, for how to make a difference in any generation, for how to make a difference in, in, in our generation. The, these three teach us that great leadership or great impact, great significance, the ability to make a difference isn't about your personality. It isn't about your background or anything. We learn that great leadership and great impact and great difference making is about great followership. That, that great impact comes from great followership of, of God. That great leadership comes from learning to trust and follow God right on point, right on point without compromise. You don't have to be a, a great leader naturally. You don't, you, you don't, have, to, uh, you don't have to be a, an amazing person with an amazing background and all that kind of stuff. You just need to learn how to follow God well. How to follow God well and help other people do the same. In fact, for most of this study, I'm not even going to use the word leadership. At least that's in my intention. Tonight I'm talking about leadership. I'm going to talk about how making a difference for God comes from learning to follow God well. That's, that's what we're going to talk about with these three different people. Making a difference from God comes from learning to follow God well. I, I, if I say, you know, be a great leader, certain things are going to come to your mind, and, and I don't want those things to come to your mind. I, I, I want to I be like, be a great follower of God and, and, and help others follow God. Okay, that, that's, that's more what I'm, what I'm aiming for. And, and, and when you learn that God does hear prayers and answer prayers, and we've been working on this a lot as a church, and it's amazing to hear the stories and the testimonies. And, and when, you, when you hear that God still speaks and you learn to say yes to his leadings and you, you learn to say yes every time, and you say yes, not just I will mostly do that, but I will 100% do everything that you've asked me through group leaders. Uh, it's, it's a big need. Um, my hope has always been that we will have more people in Bible read through groups than attend our church. That, that's, always been, that's always been my hope. So we, we, we definitely need more, more leaders. Um, by the way, again, Bible read through group leaders meeting, 29th. Uh, easy plug there. And if you're feeling the nudge to be a leader, again, the 4th of September, there's a meeting coming up. Okay, but all, all, all I have to say is we're in a season of big transition. Big transition, exciting transition, and it's, a, and it's an exciting time where we have the, all these space for, spaces for people to step up and be like, yes, I want to take my church further than it could go. I, I'm ready to, to dive in. If we go to two campuses, we're going to need twice as many um, people for kids ministry and for sound and for welcome and for hospitality and all kinds of things. People willing to clean and do maintenance and all that kind of stuff. Huge opportunities at every level of the church. This is probably going to be 
one of the most significant couple of years in our church's history. And you get to be a part of it. And you get to be a part of it. You, it this could also be one of the most significant moments in your life where you just see the need is higher. And maybe you push yourself where you haven't been to take another step. And, and yeah, that, that other step help, helps your church, but it has a big impact on you too. Every time you take another step in serving God and following God, um, it's, it's good for the church, it's good for you. And if you're thinking, if you're worried about here and like, okay, well, what if I want to stay here? Is there, is there still exciting stuff happening here? Yeah, we're talking about what it's going to look like to, to build our leadership team here and what our future is going to look like here in the West End and what does it look like to do a big refresh, a big refresh of this place and kind of refresh as we get ready to, to go into a new era. We're having lots of chats about this. But anyways, we're going to see in our study over this next season uh, times of, of great transition, times of, of, of significant transition can also be times where it's a little bit uncomfortable in it for a moment, where we feel stretched a little bit. And I believe that our path forward is through uncomfortable into incredible. Through uncomfortable into a bigger impact than we would, exp- than we would just imagine at this moment going through that path of of uncomfortable, and as we step up, and as we feel the need, as we stretch, and and as we move forward, that that the impact is is gonna just, just gonna be incredible. I think that someday we're gonna make a video about this moment. And, and I hope you remember, oh man, we, it, was, it just seems so crazy. Um, this is my, me using your voice, you know, clearly. Uh, uh, but, but then we're gonna talk about this special time when God shows up. And, and we didn't know how or when or, or, or what was gonna happen, but we prayed and we'd been praying for years and then finally God started answering with incredible results. Our, our need is gonna be massive financially and for serving and all that kind of stuff, but I'm excited for this era. And I, and I hope you are too. Uh, I, I know that we're up for the challenge that's ahead. I know we're ready for it. Uh, I, I know that we've been praying about it for, for, for years and I know that we've been listening. We've been listening as a church uh, for pre-service prayer or elders meetings and all kinds of meetings. And I know that we're con- committed to following God, following Jesus as boldly as we can, as boldly as we can. And when you do that, when you follow God boldly, he shows up and amazing things happen. Amazing things happen. So get ready. These are the kinds of moments that have impacts beyond what you can imagine. You start a few churches in a few different communities. A few people in that community come to believe in Jesus. They impact their families. They impact their areas. Multi-generational big impact can happen. We're going to talk about this this season. We're going to talk about this time where where we're learning about how to make a difference as we learn how to follow God well. Uh, We're going to teach it. We're going to try and live it together. We're going to push ourselves, and we're going to see what God what God does in our generation. So in light of that, I have three challenges for us today. Challenge number one is this. Watch this first Samuel introduction on the Bible Project video website. Just by the way, they're trying to get a million subscribers on their YouTube channel. Uh, They're pretty close if you want to help them out. Uh, Bible Project, if you don't know how to, uh, if you've not seen the Bible Project videos, they're great. Um, For this video, you just search for something like the Bible Project 1 Samuel, and it's going to show up. It's going to show up. Um, Challenge number one, uh, and that'll just help you with just getting an overview of the book. Secondly, 
Ask God, is there any way you want me to step up in leading, serving, or giving to our church in this bold transition era? Just start having conversations with God about that. I'm thinking that, and I'm hearing that many of you are being nudged and prepared for, for when things start coming together and the call goes out. I think God's already preparing people in advance. And thirdly, pray that God would raise up great leadership at all levels of our church and protect us from bad leaders. That's, that's huge. That's huge. That God would rise up great leadership at all levels of the church. Um, yeah. Uh, that's, it strikes me now that I, I said that. I, I had a dream last night. I'm not going to talk about this. But it, it, it was about um, so there, uh, someone, not, not anybody in this room, uh, just a random person um, trying to kind of grab leadership and and they were severely demonized in this dream and I was like Oh, that's that's not what we want. So we want to pray for our leadership Especially in times of transition that God's people get in the right spot and wolves stay out that wolves stay out